few years ago, I believe the year was 2017, Rhonda and I started a, a little trip. We had been praying about this for a long time, and we had the dream to go to Yellowstone. Some of you remember that trip that we took. You weren't with us, but you remember us talking about it. We planned it. We, we prepared for it. We saved for it. And then off we went. 21 days we were gone visiting sites from here all the way to Yellowstone and in between. And I remember the day we left. The day we left, it was a rainy morning. The camper was hooked up to the truck. I did my final checks. I'm a little OCD. So I had to make sure that the hitch was secured, that the safety chains were hooked up, that the lights were plugged in, and all of my T's were crossed and my I's were dotted. And I did one final check in the lights in the rear of the camper just to make sure everything was working. It was a little rainy. We got back in the truck, and Ron and I held hands, and we prayed that God would lead us as we went on the journey, give us safety, so forth and so on. And then we, of course, came back. Now, I am sharing that story to say we are all on a journey. I'm on this journey of life, and you're on this journey of life. And while for us Yellowstone was fun and epic, it, it is nothing compared to the journey of life. We all have a birth date. My birth date is coming up. I'm going to be one year older. And for that, I'm grateful. But I also know that I have lived longer already than I will probably live. Does that make sense? I've lived about two-thirds of my life. I know that somewhere in my future is another date that's been appointed for me. And that's the date that I will breathe my last. Now, we don't like to talk about this subject because we want to talk about life and living. But all of us, every single one of us, we're going to die. And in hospice, when I started that venture 12 years ago, I had a hard time using the word die, death, etc., whatever synonyms you want to use for the word, with my patients and families. But after a few years, it just became second nature. And then it became a little too blunt. And I have to watch that because I don't want to be insensitive. But death is a reality, and we're on the journey of life, and it's the dash of our life that truly defines who we are. And it's, it's what we're remembered for by our loved ones and our friends and our family. And I have read this verse, but I want to read this one little verse to you for just a moment. It's Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2, and then verse 4. It's not going to be on the screen. This is what Solomon wrote. Better to spend your time at funerals. Who wants to go to a funeral? I don't really want to go to a funeral. I have been to too many funerals of people that I have known and known very well, and I've been to funerals of people I never met. And I've stood over them and offered words of encouragement to the family. Solomon writes, it is better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. We want a party, don't we? Who doesn't like a good party? Who doesn't like a good celebration? 
But Solomon said, no, no, it's better to go to funerals. And this is why he said it. He said, after all, everyone dies. And that's just the truth. We're all going to meet that day one day. And he says, so the living should take this to heart. And then verse 4 says, a wise person thinks a lot about death. Oh, I mean, seriously, who wants to think about death? Yesterday, Rhonda and I, along with two of our daughters, we drove down to meet my, not meet, but visit with my mom and dad, and then to spend a little time with my Aunt Carol. Literally, my mom and Aunt Carol, they're, they're sisters, they literally live right next to each other. And my aunt has a terminal diagnosis of lung cancer. She is nearing the end of her life, and I wanted to see her before she did breathe her last, because I know that her death is coming, and she knows that her death is coming. And so we were there to visit, and I'm, I mean, I'm there in that moment and trying not to be the hospice chaplain, but trying to be nephew at that point, and... Uh, you know, and I'm thinking, I know what I'm talking about tomorrow, and I'm sitting here even now. A wise person thinks a lot about debt. We don't want to talk about that, do we? We don't want to think about it. And yet the Bible is clear that we should, if we're wise, think about that day. Because that day, it's coming. It's unavoidable. And then he says that a fool thinks only about having a good time. So we have to embrace our mortality, the reality that someday we will breathe our last. Then in Hebrews 9.27, we read, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. See, here's why we have to think about death. We have to prepare for our death date. It's, a, it's the reality, and we have to prepare for it. Now, here's the sad part. The culture that we live in, the American culture that we live in, says this, by and large. If you believe there is a heaven, modern culture says there is no hell. Modern culture says everybody goes to heaven. That's modern culture. Modern culture says it doesn't matter how you live your life because at the end, everybody goes to heaven. I have done a lot of funerals, especially of people I've never met. And guess what the family has said of every single one? They're in heaven. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know the person. I don't know the family. Here's what I want you to hear very, very, very clearly today. I'm going to die someday, and you're going to die someday. That is reality. And the reality is, Scripture is clear, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And when you die, you will then go, your soul will either go to heaven because of what you did with Jesus Christ, or you will go to hell if you reject Jesus Christ. That's reality. You may say, I don't believe that. 
you can choose to believe it. God gives you that freedom. That's not what Scripture teaches. See, I don't really care what culture teaches. I I don't care what a movie star says or a pop singer says. I don't care what a politician says. I, I don't care what a university professor says. I don't care what anyone in this world says about eternity other than Jesus Christ. Jesus had a lot to say about life and living life, and he had a lot to say about eternity. And that's what we're going to look at in just a moment. You see, we're on a journey. I'm on a journey. You're on a journey. But here's what happens. We can pick up excess baggage from the world around us. We can pick up some excess baggage from friends or maybe even family. We can pick up excess baggage from things we read, things we do that weigh us down and confuse us and robs us and quenches the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to the real truth of God's Word. And that is the most dangerous of all excess baggages. Because if you're here today and you're saying, I don't really believe the Bible, then you've got a big excess baggage problem that is weighing you down. And it, if you don't get rid of it, if you don't get rid of that baggage, that God is not real, that heaven is not real, that hell is not real, if you don't get rid of that, it will be too late when you realize, oops, I was wrong. That's what I want us to see this morning. Now, for those of you today who say, I, I understand it, I know it, don't need this sermon. No, you do. Because you have family, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have co-workers who have the baggage. They've got the baggage. We as a church need to. We as individual followers of Jesus have been charged with something. And that is to share the hope that when we die, there is heaven and it's available for all who believe. Not available to all regardless of what they do. And we need that compassion and that drive. So we need to hear today what Jesus has to say. Now, in Matthew 25, I'm going to read some selected verses from 31 through 46. The ones I'm reading will be on the screen if you want to follow along in your Bible. I'm going to start with verse number 31. And I'm going to read through 34, and then I'm going to skip down. When the Son of Man, verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed 
by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now skip down to verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then down to verse number 46. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is one of many scriptures that talks about the final judgment. You see, we're on the journey of life. I have a birth date, and every single one of you has a birth date. You know your birth date. You celebrate your birth date. You probably have cake and candles. Some of you have lived long enough, you can't put the candles on the cake. The cake's not large enough to fit that number of candles. I get that. I'm there. So now you put like a five and a one to represent 51. Some of you say, you got to go a little higher than that for me. Some of you say, I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm just seven years old. Here's what I want you to see. We have a birth date, and now we are all living our life. We're, we're experiencing life. We have hopes, and we have dreams, and aspirations, and plans, and goals, and, and trips, and vacations, and family things, and we're living life. Some of you are living life with purpose. Some of you know what God has called you to do, to be, to become. Some of you are going, I don't really know. I'm just kind of trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to make the ends meet, and hopefully I'll get there. Your life is not driven by purpose. It's just driven by whatever. We'll get into that in a future sermon on this topic. Today, I want you to think more about are you born again? Are you saved? Has Jesus Christ come into your heart? Is he your Savior? But more importantly, is he your Lord? Is he the boss of your life? Is he the one to whom you say deserves all the glory and all of the credit? He is the reason I exist. He is the reason I am alive. He is the one who provides everything I need. He is the focus of my life. Or, eh, Jesus, you know, I've invited him and I've been baptized and eh, kind of come to church and maybe read the Bible, but I'm more interested in other stuff. See, some of us are down, sold out for Jesus, and some of us are like, I'm, I'm, I'm barely saved, but I'm saved. And some of us are kind of in the middle. We're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm hot for Jesus right now. And then you kind of go this way, and then you go back this way. Here's what I want you to see. We are on this journey. Where are you going? It starts, it begins with you saying, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I have no question, no qualm, no misunderstanding. It is a done deal. So what did Jesus say in these verses? Jesus said, in the end, in the end, when, when this world ceases to be, and the door of opportunity for every human life has closed to accept or reject Jesus. Now listen, you only accept him or reject him. There's no, I think I did. 
You either do or you don't. If you don't, you've rejected. So Jesus says, the time is coming. And this is also mentioned in Revelation chapter 21. Or 20, excuse me. Revelation chapter 20, the great right, great, I can't even say it. The great white throne judgment. This is what Jesus is referring to here. When the Lord comes, the books are going to be opened. And everybody's going to be judged according to their works and their deeds. But then there's another book that's going to be opened. And that book, in the book of Revelation, is called the book of life. And here's the question. Sam Braswell, in July of 1977, knelt on his knees on a dirt road in Cochrane, Georgia, and said these words in prayer. God, I don't know what to say. I don't really know how to say it, but I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to change me and to help me be the man you want me to be. That was my prayer. And it was at that moment that God changed my heart and changed my soul and changed my eternal destiny from hell to heaven. I began a journey on that night, on that Saturday night, destined for heaven, filled with the Holy Spirit, following Jesus, not following Jesus, loving Jesus, kind of loving Jesus, being great and amazing most of the time, to not being great and amazing, still sinful, saved by grace. You see, I began a journey of following Jesus. And that's been a long time. And God's still not done with Sam Braswell. But here's the thing. I know where I'm going. I'm on a journey. I had to get rid of the excess baggage in my life on that fateful night of saying, well, I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. God loves me. He'll let me go anyway. I don't need to say a prayer. I don't need to let him be my Lord. I don't need to be baptized. I can just kind of do what I'm doing and everything. I had to let go of all that baggage because it was weighing me down and dragging me down and it was preventing me from experiencing real life. So my eternity changed on that night. Jesus said, on this day, the book of life will be opened. And as I, along with all of humanity, is standing before the great white throne, they're going to look. He's going to look and see my name in the book of life. He's going to say right here, Sam Braswell, you're in. Come on into heaven. If your name's not in the book of life, you will be judged according to the work you did here on this earth. And your, your judgment, you're not getting into heaven. You're not coming past the pearly gates. I, I, I loved the comic strip, The Far Side. How many of you have ever heard of the comic strip, The Far Side? All right, some of you have. 
It is warped and weird, but I like it. I thought of you, Jennifer, just the other day because one of them I saw, it was like a, I don't know, St. Peter or somebody outside the gates, and he asked the gentleman, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you, a train was traveling from Philadelphia to at a rate of this speed, and then another train was, and then he said, wait a minute, do you need some paper? I thought, no, that's not the way you get into heaven, okay? Because the caption said, your worst nightmare at the gates. See, a lot of people think weird things about heaven. We think it, it, it's, we think this is how you get in. It's very simple to get in. And so here, here we are. And people have these thoughts, but yet they don't want their name written in that book of life because they say, well, I, don't, I don't want to say that prayer. I, I don't want to do these things. And you roll the dice. It's a, it's a dangerous roll, by the way. Because hell's a real place. Because Jesus said, for those whose name's not in the book of life, he says, you will be, you'll hear these words, depart from me. Depart from me. In other words, I loved you and I gave you the opportunity, but now it is time for you to depart from me. You will be separated from me for all of eternity. <coughs> he said, you are cursed. Cursed. Our little youngest granddaughter, she doesn't like to be scolded. But what child does like to be scolded? Just yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday, I was, make, I was making biscuits. I had the great idea that she could stand right next to me on a step stool with the flour on the counter and be a perfect little angel and watch me as I made biscuits. How foolish of me. Because as soon as she saw the flour, she touched it and put it on her tongue. And I said, don't do that. I still had the Crisco shortening jar open. She saw that within her reach. She stuck her finger in it, pulled out some shortening, and immediately put it in her mouth and ate it. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, child. Then she took her hands before I got the dough on the flour on the counter, both hands wiping them on the flour and looking at them and then clapping. I'm losing it because I'm thinking... Stop. So I lost it temporarily. She got upset. And it wasn't until we could hug that she felt, you know, back again. Can you imagine what it's going to be like if you don't know Christ for Him to say, Depart from me. You're cursed. You're not welcome. That's not the picture we have of Jesus. Loving, gracious, kind, receptive. But even when Jesus walked on this earth and people asked him, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And when they heard his answer, they walked away sorrowful. See, he, he really isn't saying 
depart from me, what he's really saying is, you left me long, long ago. You made that choice. You can stay away for eternity. But it's not in a place of bliss. It's not in a place of comfort. It's not in a place of mild torment. Jesus said in these verses that you will be judged according to your works, and then you will be placed with the devil and all the demons of hell, and the gate will be shut. You will be tormented for all of eternity. You will live in darkness. It is not a pleasant place called hell. There are people that say this is hell. The earth is hell. This is not hell. This is far from hell. It is the words the Scripture uses over and over and over and over. And there will be people that you can find and read and study and say, they say there is no hell. They do not understand Scripture. They do not. You see, the coming judgment can't be avoided. You either will go to heaven or you will go and spend eternity in hell. It will be just. There is no deception there. There's no way to lie your way in. You either are in or you're not. That, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. You know, nowadays, people will tell you when they get in trouble, they'll lie to your face. God's going to see right through that, and he'll go, mm -mm, your, book's, your name's not in the book of life. Sorry. I don't even know if God's going to say sorry. It's just going to be, your name is not here. Went to a hotel a few years ago. Went and checked in, took the bags up, came back down, met a buddy of mine. We share the same last name. He looked at me and said, you just got my room. And I said, no, sir, I didn't get your room. I got my room. See, my name is Carlton Samuel Braswell, and that's the name of the room on my reservation. Your name is Terry Braswell, not Carlton. Your name wasn't in the book. You were rejected. I didn't say it quite like that to him. <laughs> I wished I had, but I didn't. But he looked at me and we laughed and he got his room, another room. But still, I, I, when your name's not in the book of life, you don't get in. You don't get into heaven. You just don't. Just quickly to those of us who are believers... And I'm going to touch more on this later next week. See, we have some baggage of following Jesus. There are some people who, who kind of say, I'm saved and secure, so I can do what I want to do, live how I want to live. That's not what being a Christian means. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus means you are seeking to please Him in every area of your life. You are following the Savior, the Creator of all, not just dabbling in, let me put it in quotes, religion. You're in a relationship with the King of Kings. And you want to you do what you can 
to make the journey from the point you said yes to Jesus to the point you die. But more on that later. I want to close this message for those of you who may not be believers or those who say, I'm not really sure. Listen, people give excuses all the time. People have said, I've got plenty of time. You do not have plenty of time. I met a gentleman years ago, more than one gentleman, in the 70s, this man was, who looked at me and asked me, how do I go to heaven? I told him how. He looked at me and then said, you're not the only person who's told me that. And I said, well, I'm glad we all agree. He said, well, I'm just not ready yet. I've got time. I said, sir, you are in your 70s. How much more time do you think you have? He said, I don't know, but I've got time. I said, well, I don't understand. If you know you need to invite Jesus to be your Savior, why not do it now? He said, well, I've got more time. He died two weeks later. I do not know if he did or did not. But ironically, he's not the only person. Rhonda and I, when we, when we were in college, we used to go to churches in South Georgia and do youth retreats. We went to a youth retreat. A young man came to the youth retreat and was there at an event. We talked about Jesus. The church that was there had told and talked with this young fellow about Jesus. He was 14 years old. We had a lunch break. We were going to get back together later that afternoon for an activity when the news came to us that he had died in, an, in a biking accident, run over by a car. You just don't know how much time you've got. If God is knocking at your door and asking you, hey, I want to be your Savior I want to be your Lord. I want to change your life for the better. And if you say, no, i got time, you just don't know. You may say, I'm a good person. Everybody in this room is a good person, or most of you. I'm not a good person at times. So y'all thought I was going to name somebody else, didn't you? No, we, we are all good people, most of us anyway. But being good doesn't get you into heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ, saying that prayer I said earlier, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross was enough. I believe that you were buried and I believe that you were raised from the dead. You did that so that my sin could be forgiven. I believe that and I'm asking you to change me. That's what makes you the best person. Being a good person won't get you into heaven. It's accepting, receiving the gift of God. Believing it in your heart and your mind that God will change you and will save you. And then the proverbial excuse of, oh, I'm enjoying life too much. Kind of like, eh, if I become a follower of Jesus, I might have to give up something I enjoy doing. Well, that's just foolish. I can guarantee you, I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. There are things that I used to want to do 
that I didn't need to do, that I don't miss doing, because I have it better now. There are folks who say, I don't want to give up my lifestyle. I don't want to give up whatever it is you want to do. I mean, it changes through the ages. But I, I, can, I can tell you this. Jesus is not a killjoy. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you can't enjoy life and have fun. But if, if you want to say, I'm enjoying life too much. I'm not changing my ways or my lifestyle for this God I can't see. That's your choice. You can make it. But just know that someday, if you don't say, Jesus, change me. If you don't, it's too late then. I'm not trying to, you know, I've avoided the sermon for a long time. I mean, I've hinted around it, danced around it. But because our church is not baptizing a lot of people, I've said to us as a church, it's time for us to make some decisions. We need to get more zealous about those, maybe you, or those around us, to say, we love you too much to let you go into an eternity without Jesus. And if you're here today and you've said, I just don't want to do that, that is your choice. I just pray you would say, Yes to Jesus. That would be my prayer. But it's ultimately your choice. I'm praying today that God will speak to you because trust me, there is no excuse under heaven that is worth an eternity in hell without God.